This is Shadowstar, and I'm way too busy playing games at Gen Con to listen to the Order 66 podcast. Hello, this is Outlaw Night Zero, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast while wearing my Order 66 podcast t-shirt. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66 Greetings again, Gamer Nation, on this Sunday, August 31st, 2008, coming at you live from Points Unknown in the Outer Rim for episode number 32 of the Order 66 podcast, and this is GM Dave. What is up, Gamer Nation? This is GM Chris, and we are joined by a very special guest who has braved the wilds of the intertubes uh, to uh, join us uh, live during recording and has taken his wonderful time to do so. Uh, wonderful GM Sterling, Mr. Sterling Hershey. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks. If if I had applause, I would play it, but I don't. <laughs> well, tell me, do you prefer the title uh, Jedi Master or Sith Lord? Me? Yes. Oh, Jedi Master. Je- oh well. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. All right. Uh, so my players uh, might disagree. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I share your sympathy in that um, to to be to be certain. But we're glad to have you on the cast because we're going to be discussing, uh, well, at least our, our first cast discussing the brand new source book that is out for the Star Wars Saga Edition role playing game, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. Woohoo! Uh, I know a lot of us have been waiting for this for for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, heck, I'm. I'm excited. I'm actually playing. I have not played in so long, and I'm playing my first game in a very long time tomorrow with GM Brev, and uh, it is a KOTOR game, and I'm just, I'm, I'm excited, and it's, it's goodness. So, uh, very glad to have you here to talk about it. Um, it's great to be here. Yeah, we got, a, we got a kit and caboodle of listener questions too, but uh, a few other things to get out of the way first. Dave, what do you think? What do you say about some announcements? Okay. Okay. Just a few things to talk about. Um, now, I know uh, Sterling. You told me that you're actually playing in a couple uh, a couple D and D games right now. Um, fourth edition, I assume. Uh, actually, no. Um, no. Nope. They're both 3.5. Um, uh, one because uh, we're in the middle of a campaign, didn't want to change over yet. And, familiar with uh, that. The other, yes. the other one is a off and on group that uh, doesn't play that often, and uh, so we just haven't. Uh, haven't done that just yet. Haven't done that upgrade. Well, have you played any fourth edition yet? Uh, yeah, I played uh, on the D and D game day and oh. uh, got all the books, and I'm catching up. <laughs> well, there's a lot to catch up on, and if you guys want to catch up yourselves, a wonderful resource to do that is through our sister podcast, Radio Free Hamlet, uh, which is dedicated entirely to fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. And you can go to d20radio.com, access the Hamlet link, RFH, and uh, DM Tim and the whole RFH crew can get you up to the skinny on fourth edition. That's right. Episode so. number seven is up and live. And uh, sorry, guys, I bagged on you like on, what was it, last week? And they had it up like the next day. <laughs> I know, right? That always seems to happen. But that's just Tim. He's he's good like that. What, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
Well, the final Gen Con numbers are in, and this is really cool. Um, we, you know, we, we we managed to score a press pass, which let us get into some cool places when we were there and um, and and talk to some of the press people. And I got an email shortly after Gen Con from uh, the lovely press folks, uh, uh, helmed up by Stasia Kirby, and. Um, Basically, this is the 44, 41st year of Gen Con, and they finally tallied all their numbers. It was the biggest Gen Con in history. They had over 28,600 unique pre-registered and pre-paid attendees and 95,800 turnstile attendees paying at the door. Um, That's impressive. That is insane. Um, and they all converged in Indianapolis to make this year's Gen Con the most successful to date. Um, these numbers represent an over 6% increase um, over 2007's attendance, which uh, which is great. Really, so, considering you know, considering gas prices and all that, you figure that they might have taken a little bit of a hit on it. So that's a good job. I know, man. The economy's not doing too well, but uh, I guess gaming's doing very well. Hey, Gaming's so. doing well. See, that's what happens when you put a Democrat in charge. No politics. <laughs> None. Won't do it. I'm not going to argue with politics about you here. Dave and I are very diametrically opposed. But uh, not going to do it. But things we are going to do, there is also some web goodness out there. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this a little bit more when we get to some Q&A, Sterling. But uh, you hinted at this um, in the, uh, the uh, Star Wars Saga Edition seminar uh, that I happen to be in. And if you guys go out there to wizards.com slash Star Wars right now, there is a brand new web article up um, that was done by none other than you, none other than you, sir, if I'm correct, yep. uh, which is Power Beyond Belief, Yep. Uh, which is a, a really wickedly cool web enhancement all about using powerful Sith Lords in your campaign. Mm, delicious. Unlimited power! Sorry, I, I don't know where that came from. And on that note, we'll close the Order 66 podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. Well, dude, is there any, uh, you know, is there any other? Uh, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe you can talk about this. Maybe you can't. I know it was kind of one of our questions. But on that note, Sterling, are there any other uh, web enhancements in the near future? Uh, yeah, there's uh, a number of Kotor-based ones. I'm not exactly sure uh, which they are. I know Rodney has said that uh, some of them will be uh, based on, or we'll have material that were that was cut from the books. Oh, really? um, yeah, and so some of the stuff that didn't make it in, uh, you'll see showing up as a web enhancement. Uh, he has indicated that uh, some of it might be bumped to future products if it makes sense. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure what will end up where. Okay, well, hey, that's that's at least it's, at least it there's a possibility of it going somewhere, and that's that's really cool. That's very cool. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, I uh, I was kind of out of town this weekend. I, I went to my folks, but I got back this afternoon, and um, I was a little worried, you know, with. Uh, with gas prices the way they are and everything like that, that it may have, you know, affected, uh, you know, transportation, you know, but uh, it apparently didn't affect the mail. I got to my mailbox and uh, there was a wonderful postcard uh, that was stamped, signed and sealed waiting f- right there for me from our good friend, Commander Cody. How do you seal a postcard? Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, here, here, take a look. It's, it's a uh, very, very would it, pretty. Would it be like an imperial seal? Ah, see, uh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, see, see, Sterling pulls me out of the muck. Uh, uh, you know, well, wonderful, good. Yes, but uh, this is a—it's kind of a, a light and, and for you know listeners that can't see it, it, it's a light and watery postcard. It, it's simple. It seems to be working very hard to be neutral. 
Uh, clearly an expensive design. Um, its front is a picture of a vast, technologically advanced floating city. Uh, and the clear lettering on the card reads, Welcome to Manan, visitor. Enjoy the beauty of Ato City, and please visit our Colto gift shop. <laughs> from across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, This week my squadron is in the inner rim water planet of Manan. Home to the amphibious Selkef, Manan is an old world that I'm told was once a great power in the days of the old Republic. Apparently the fishy Selkef harvest a plant here called Kolta deep underneath the waves. It's a natural healing agent, not as powerful as Bacta, but in the old times, before Bacta refinement was as good as it is today, it was pretty close. Even today, the Selkath are renowned healers, which is part of the reason we're here. Lord Vader has given our unit the special task of covertly hiring the Selkath to develop a Kolto-based anti-burn ointment. I'm not sure why, but Lord Vader has insisted we contract them for the task and then buy as much as we can. It's been an interesting time, to say the least. I'm not sure this is proper work for a trooper, but one doesn't question his orders. The Selkath have proven to be shrewd negotiators. Negotiations are slow at best, as the Selkath are hesitant to get involved in any galactic conflict. Ah, as if the rebel scum was some sort of power in the galaxy. Pathetic. If Lord Vader wasn't so insistent, I'd vaporize this world from orbit for their impudence. But as it is, our time here is slow, filled with waiting. Arto City, a large floating residence and the only settlement above the waves, is clearly designed to cater to all travelers' needs. But things here are just a little too peaceful and relaxed for my taste. And the Selkath flaunt their precious cold dough like it's the panacea of all merchant wares. Pathetic. Give me a back to tank any day. Oh well. The Director of Medical Research is finally ready to respond to the review of the request to consider Lord Vader's proposal. I'd best head in for it. Well, if you blokes feel like some swimming, lots of waiting, or some colto, head out to Manan while it's still here. Emperor's black bones if I had my way. Eh. Be safe, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Blokes? I gotta say. Sounds a little What's wrong weird. What's I don't know. It just kind of sounds weird to hear a, a trooper use the word bloke. I don't think it's that weird. You know, he's, you know, you know. I mean, the clones are Aussies, aren't they? Yeah, have you not been to the planet Australia? <laughs> no. Oh, it's out on the outer rim. Uh, they got some very strange animals there, mostly marsupials. Um, it's down under the rim. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Actually, I know, you know, we actually have some listeners from Oz. Uh, a couple, I believe. Um, you know, we keep we keep threatening to go down there as long as they'll put us up for you know two or three months. <sighs> Shouldn't be too hard. But thank you, Cody, for uh, writing us. And um, you know, I you know I've always thought about going to to Manan, you know, but uh, the Selkath, you know, seem a little too you know fishy for my taste. Uh, have any of you guys been out that way? At all? No, not really. <laughs> Well, fine. Did do some investigation uh, with uh, actually some of the Kotor stuff with the uh, Order of Shasa. So ah yes, now the, yeah. that was non Jedi that was... force talent or force uh, 
tradition? Forced tradition. That was actually very cool. Yes, uh, I, I did manage to see that in the uh, in the wonderful Kotor campaign guide, which we'll be getting to in a minute. Well, uh, what do you guys uh, say about tackling some real mail? Maybe sounds good. All right. I suppose we can do that if you really, really want to. That is, I do. Please. All right, scumbag, pay attention. It's time for mail call. All right. Well, uh, guys, I got another email from uh, one of our new listeners, Sebastian, this week, and he actually has a KOTOR-related question. Uh, He writes, I am playing in a KOTOR game with a Cathar, and I had a question regarding weapon finesse. Does it apply to the Cathar's claws? Uh, That's a good question, Sebastian. Um, We did some some looking around on this, and... uh, uh, gosh, I mean, every everything I've looked at, and I, I've checked all the official sources, all the, the online rulings that I can find, and I can't find a, a ruling as to whether or not a, a natural weapon uh, would be considered a light weapon and thus, you know, applicable via via weapon finesse. Um, however, on the uh, the officially maintained FAQ, uh, which is on Gleemax that Raving Dork maintains with sort of all the sort of developer rulings, um, the closest thing I can find is um, an unarmed strike uh it has been referenced as a light weapon in the past because strictly the fact that you can't apply double your strength bonus to it with damage. Uh, this would lead me to assume that a claw from a Cathar would be held in the same regard, and it does kind of make sense. Um, Sterling, do you have any uh, official or semi-official or non-official uh, rulings on this? Well, actually, I was just glancing at it, and um, I think it would work okay um, because this says when um, the Cathar makes an unarmed attack, it may choose to uh, use its nat- natural weapons, and if uh, unarmed attack can be can use weapon finesse, then I don't know why this couldn't. Well, that makes perfect sense to me too. Well, there you go. So, quick question with the answer being uh, a, a tentative yes. Although, I, I mean, like you say, you know, there's nothing there's nothing official on it. But uh, yes, and, and I don't give official answers. That's got to come through. Uh, uh, Jedi Counseling or uh, Rodney. Yes, and we're going to say that up front. Of course, we have a lot of questions for Sterling today, but anything he does say will be completely non-official, uh, but the opinion of one uh, extremely good GM, uh, to say the least. So there is that. Well, I got one other email uh, this past week um, uh, from James, who wrote us asking a few things. Uh, to paraphrase, he says, uh, Dear GM Dave, GM Chris, hey, I just wanted to stroke your egos and say that you guys are doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Of course we are. Uh, Oh, yes. Thank thank you. Um, And of course, no ego-stroking email is complete without a mechanics question for you guys to answer. So here it goes. With the tech specialist talent, uh, which of course, for those of you who can't find it anywhere in your books, uh, it uh, is in uh, Starships of the Galaxy. And uh, also, uh, I guess, was it the first web enhancement that was released? Um, One of of the first ones. One of of the first ones, yeah. Um, Great, great talent. Uh, Great feat, excuse me. Um, He says, with the the, the tech specialist... uh, uh, feet. Uh, it says you can modify weapons and vehicles. Um, it also says that you can also modify a ship or a weapon only once. So, can you modify a weapon on a starship separately from the ship itself? Uh, any answer would be great because when it comes to my mechanics checks, I usually don't roll very high. Uh, thanks, James. Uh, well, uh, James, um, 
I mean, as far as my ruling goes, I mean, just from a, a basic reading of it, it would seem that you most certainly could modify both the vehicle and the weapon on it. They're, they're kind of two separate entities. And since the vehicle modifications listed with the tech specialist feat and the weapon modifications listed there as well don't overlap in any kind of fashion, I, I don't see any problem with it. Um, weapons can be removed from vehicles, and their modifications would go with them. And you could you know, attach them to different vehicles if need be. It just makes sense. Um, so, you know, it, you know it, it's one of those things, the rules don't say you can, but there's really no need for them to say that you can. It doesn't make sense that you can't. Again, we kind of return to that argument of, you know, can Gungans blink? You know, well, of course they can. Well, the rules don't say so. You know, well, they don't need to say so. So that's uh, kind of kind of makes sense to me from my readings. Uh, what, any, do you guys have any, any, any different differences to add in that regard? No. No? No? Yeah, makes sense. Well, easy enough. Sure. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for the mail. Uh, if you guys have any questions you want us to take a stab at, uh, you can do so. You can, of course, email us, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. You can go to our forums at d20radio.com slash forum, sign up, become a member of the Gamer Nation, get your voice heard, and have our amazing forum community of uh, incredibly intelligent and informed people take a crack at it if we can't get to it first. And you can also give us a call if you have any, uh, any I Never Listen to the Order 66 podcast bumpers you want to leave us or any any voicemail questions you want to leave us you can give us a call at uh, what number dave there you go 206 600 loser l-u-s-a l-u-s-a 5872 and speaking of that if anybody has an extra yoda bobblehead from mcdonald's i really want one (laughs) i got 3po invader do you really yeah. All I've got so far is Grievous and Boba Fett. But well, I need more. I need yep. more. And I and I, I truly intended to put up a trading post kind of forum up on the uh, up on the forums for for people who are like collecting these things cuz there are a lot of guys at work that are collecting these things. Yeah. And so if you wind up getting two or heaven forbid three of any one, just switch them out with somebody in the forum. Not a bad idea. We could have kind of a uh, ED20 radio trading post. That's right. D twenty radio swap meet. Maybe we could have we can have Watto's uh, Watto's swap cantina. <laughs> and that might be pretty good, man. That might be pretty good. You know, it's kind of a free resource for uh, you know just uh, trading of of items. That might not be too bad of an idea. And I think yeah. Watto. Well, I don't know if Watto would approve too terribly much if he can't make money off of it. Um, well, he, well, he's a crafty guy. That's true. It doesn't necessarily have to be Watto, but you know. Well, it, it could be. I'm sure. I mean, any any opportunity for a business venture, he'd sure. be down on it. In fact, I was talking to him about that um, earlier this week. Um, I managed to uh, hitch a ride out to Tatooine and, and go see Wado. I hadn't been out there in a couple weeks, and um, he actually sent me a a, a, a a Holonet message saying that he had something that really might pique my interest, oh. and he was right. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? Very nice. Gentlemen, I would like you to feast your eyes on a marvel of ancient weapons technology. This is a pulse wave pistol. Hmm. 
You can say ooh, it's okay. You can go, ooh. Ah. Ah, yes. Oh. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. Well, <laughs> well, Wano has apparently decided to move into some arms dealing on a more exclusive level. Uh, and I guess this is kind of his fascination has led to acquisition of ancient weaponry. And uh, if you guys are interested in learning more about the Pulse Wave Pistol, you can find it uh, in the wonderful equipment section of the brand new Knights of the Old Republic uh, uh, campaign guide. In particular, you can find basic stats for it on page 68, and on 69 is the actual write-up for it. But the, the Pulse Wave Pistol is pretty cool. I mean, this, this unit right here, man, it, it's thousands of years old. It, it's a relic. Um, although I understand that in the days of the Old Republic, you could purchase one for a mere 200 credits. Uh, simply a, a licensed weapon. Uh, the Pulse Wave Pistol was a predecessor to the Blaster, um, and it kind of fell out of vogue once Blaster technology was perfected, mostly because it's not very accurate at long range. But man, for the price, this little one kilo gun, it packs a wallop at close range, Dave. I was out of, I was out of the target range with this thing the other day, and I was, I was tearing it up, man. Um, this thing, it, okay, it only deals 2 die 6 of damage, and you compare that to a Blaster Pistol's 3 die 6, it doesn't seem like that much. But, it deals an extra four points of damage, static, when it's at point-blank range. Which means, according to the math, if you're shooting within point-blank range, 20 squares for a pistol, it will actually average more damage than a regular blaster pistol. Um, because, you know, obviously for one die six, you're only going to average three as opposed to four. Um, however, your max damage is greater with a regular blaster pistol. So pretty cool. However, all pulse wave technology is inaccurate. So unlike a blaster, you know, you can't fire at long range with this sucker, which is kind of kind of sad, but um it's still pretty cool. And oh. if you're playing, you know, a campaign say in a really old era or you just like really old weapons, it might add a lot to your your interesting campaign. It's kind of a cool so. role playing touch. I agree, man. You and Sterling, tell me. I mean, when you guys were, were creating this book, you seemed to put in a to really keep in mind the the old era. You know what I call the the Exarchoon era. You know the the old stuff when you were when you were doing this. Um, I mean, how much of that was was at a forefront of your of your thoughts? I mean, you, you seem to have you know, especially equipment wise, have, have seemed to have taken care of that. Uh, actually, Rodney took care of um, pretty much all the equipment. Um, oh, really? So all the details were from him, or I guess the developers. Um, as I recall, anyway. Um, kudos, kudos so we didn't really, yeah. So we didn't really discuss that uh, a lot ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I know that uh, we were keeping an eye on the on the Tales of the Jedi era a bit as we were working on this book as well. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, we, I mean, when the, when the, when this campaign guy came out, one of the players uh, in my my game I'm playing tomorrow, uh, I was actually saw it and went, oh, 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 I'm still getting one of these. This is great. You know, oh, I, I, I can average more damage with this. I'm like, okay. Thank you, Captain Minmax. You know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah it, it's aside from that, it seems like it's a great role-playing touch. So, it's um, it's good nice. for every every kind of player to find something like that that they really like. Yeah, yeah, I, most definitely. So very cool. But it is the pulse wave pistol. There is also a pulse pulse wave rifle, uh, which does two die eight and averages uh, and does an extra five points of damage at point blank, which is also another great option. So uh, very very cool. But it's of course all there in the Kotor CG. So cool. Speaking of the KOTOR campaign guide, it is time, I guess, um, if if you're ready, Sterling, uh, to move on to some discussion about it. Um, sure. Kind of the reason we brought you on the show, and uh, uh, several of our listeners have taken the opportunity 
to uh, get some questions up on our forums um, to ask you about uh, you know some various rules questions regarding stuff in the book as well as some some personal and creative questions as well um, people seem interested in asking about so um, without any further ado what say we we step into our, our interview room there you go I have already got the music rolling because I'm just that good I know. I wasn't questioning your goodness. Why would you think I would question your goodness? Dave, why would you question for an instant that I would ever doubt you were completely on top of the situation? Well, you know. Oh, that's right. You keep dropping beds. That's right. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. Speaking of that, by the way, the the KOTOR uh, campaign, pseudo KOTOR campaign y'all are running starting tomorrow. I believe we will have the first module available on our website for PDF download within about a week. Because yes. that GM is on top of sending me his write-ups. Unlike, Dude, unlike another GM that's had like four months to do it and hadn't sent me a damn thing. It's written up. I just got to send it to you. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I believe I'm that. Sorry. <laughs> but we are going to have a lot of uh, downloadable modules um, on d20radio.com. Totally free, of course. Uh because they have like. to be. Because they because they have to be. <laughs> uh, or we'll get skinned alive by Lucas. Uh, Bring he'll him actually on. Come, he'll actually come to my house. Bring him uh, on. I am selling books for him, and he knows it. That's why he's not coming after me. <laughs> you, you, you keep telling yourself that, Dave. Uh, you can tell uh, it through the liars when they show up at your door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get to it. Uh, we got we got some good questions for you, Sterling. Uh, we've had quite a few people um, on the forum ask several things, and I had some questions of my own, of course. But I wanna I wanna get our listener questions out of the way first and foremost. Um, uh, and these are kind of I've, I've kind of reorganized these and and, and uh, sort of grouped these questions together in in some semblance of order. But we had a, a handful of questions asked by one of our posters, Liran Dar, and he had four questions. Uh, he said, first of all, uh, why do you enjoy Kotor? Why do you play or write, uh, you know, SWRPG in particular, uh, Star Wars? Um, what is your favorite character from any system? And lastly, why do you have such a cool name? Well, now for <laughs> sure he's British because favorite came in with F A V O U R. Yeah. As if you well, couldn't actually, tell from I believe, his bumper. Yeah. I think Lirandar might actually be an Aussie. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Lirandar, let I, us know. Yeah, let, let us know, Lirandar. We uh, inquiring minds, inquiring minds want want to know. Uh, however, I will tell you, it does say it does say Australia on his profile. It's real? Oh, it does. Well, <laughs> I guess then. Well, duh. I wasn't pulling that out of my butt, really. You know. Well, like, crap. Uh, Screw <laughs> me. Next thing you know, right, he'll well, say Stirling, he's Stirling, no. Really, uh, I'm a Kiwi. I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So, so what? Tell us, man. Why do you enjoy Kotor? Why do you Why do you play and write the system? Uh, well, I've been a Kotor fan ever since I, I played the uh, played the first video game and just loved the immersive story. Uh, I thought they did they handled Star Wars really well. Yeah. Uh, it was just it just felt right in most cases. It got a little long uh, on occasion, but uh, you know I loved the the Revan twist and just you know really got into that. And then uh, more recently. Uh, with the comic book series, I mean, from the very first comic book, I was hooked because uh, the writing in it is so is so good, and it's got humor in it, which is something I'll, a lot of Star Wars uh, books seem to overlook. That humor is, in small doses, is a important part of the, uh, the Star Wars universe. Absolutely and, uh, agree. Yeah. They get he does such a good job with it that uh, uh, John Jackson Miller, and uh, so when I found out he was going to be on the project as well, I, it was 
that was a good day. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of like when you when you're watching the movies, you can tell like the the humor in episode one and two just kind of fell out of it because they had a suck ass director, and then three it was back. You know, I think it was some humor in one and two, more so in two than one, I think. But well, yeah, two everyone remembers the um, oh the series of the when the battle droids um, with C three PO, and he had a number of lines uh, that were puns yeah. and so forth in a row, and I think that was a little too much in a row. Yeah, it was. But, it was an alliteration a little, of little, little too much. Um, I don't yeah. know. The humor, humor in three seemed to be a little more tongue in cheek. Lots of good stuff with R two, but but no, I, I, I totally, I totally feel you there. I, I think humor is an important part of it. I know it's an important part of my home games. So right, but, but on top of that, you know, just his storyline has been really interesting. He's he's done some very different things with the the Jedi uh, that are is is finally sort of coming to light in the in the in the comics and just how different some of those Jedi operate. And from what we're used to in in the later eras, and so just watching all that come together, and seeing how they're playing with the Mandalorians and uh, um, some of this back history to the video game, uh, along with it, has just been really fun to see. Well, that's awesome. Well, why Star Wars? What what drew you to it initially? Oh man, I've been a Star Wars fan since I was you know since 1977, right? Since uh, there you <laughs> go, man. That's the rest of us. Since it came out. So, um, you know, I was a Star Wars fan way before I was a gamer. And uh, so when the, the RPG came out, uh, the West End version came out, uh, you know, we played it for a while and then uh, sort of got away from it for a little bit. And then my friends decided that uh, I needed to run this. And so <laughs> they actually they actually went out and uh, at, that time, at that time I'd just been playing uh, using other people's books. At that time they, right. they actually went out and bought the the role-playing game book, the first edition of it, and said, here, you need to run this for us. And uh, I guess I got hooked. That's awesome. Hey, now, to deviate a little bit, how old are you? Uh, I am... This is two, uh, 37. You're right there with me, and I, I, this is the year I've started having to uh, figure out my own age. God. I, I feel like such a kid. You guys both have eight years on me. And hey, I'm... Hey guys, I'm gonna have to stop down the show for a second. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is what it is. All right, I'm I'm back. I'm sorry, guys. We uh we had a uh, minor altercation with a U-Haul in our backyard. Oh, is whoa? Is everything all right? Yeah, neighbor neighbor's moving out of uh, of the house behind us, and uh, he. Um, got a little too close to the fence, I guess you could say, and uh, not our fence, mind you, but uh, the neighbors, and so we heard a giant collision, and, um, you know. So oh, my God. It scared, oh, the, it scared the heck out of my, my two girls, and, um, and they, uh, somebody, somebody just shot a gun. It wasn't a gunshot. It was a U-Haul. Hitting, hitting a fence anyway so well you live in such a violent part of town dave yeah exactly you never know that's and why i live don't. on a road that's a busy cut through and every so often we'll hear a we'll i'll hear a noise and i'll look outside and someone's run over a mailbox or yeah. Yeah, all kinds of things yep okay sorry where were we um i don't know uh where were we can you play we back were, the last couple uh, let's see you had you had asked about um oh yeah why are you why, why was i right why did now? i Write and play the RPG. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were talking about uh, just how great st- uh, you guys. Oh, that's right. Star- we had kind of and, and our age. How I was a baby, thirty-seven. Being yeah. Eight years younger than the two of you. Right. Yeah, but yeah, this is the year I started having to add up my age, like you that's just right. did. 
Okay. Yes, yes. All right. So, okay, the next question was, what's your favorite character from any system? Yeah, you know, I still haven't figured out what the answer to this one is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a tough question. I mean, any system? I mean, what is that? Is that like any game system or what is that? I, I, read, I read it to be like, you know, from minis or from RPG or I don't I don't think he means in any part of the movies. No, no, I think I think I think, he's I think you're right. Yeah, I think he's meaning an RPG system. But I, you know, just a clear, you know, it gets to know you question. Do you have a favorite role playing moment where of a character you played at any point in time? Oh, one of my characters. Mm. Yeah, of course I, I game master a lot. So uh, yeah, let's we were see. About earlier, yeah. uh, let's see. Oh, I've got a pretty good wizard going on right now with in a in a D and D game that. Uh, I'm enjoying quite a lot. Um, it's one of those things. The game was going through the Red Hand of Doom uh, mm. adventure slash campaign, and has continued on after that. But uh, oh. I've had a lot of fun with him. He's just you know, a straight up wizard, but uh, uh, pulling in various um, feats and spells from some of the um, some of the other later books, not just the PHP. So had a good time with that one. Um, I guess that'd be about it. Uh, like I said, that was a tough question. It is. Well, you yeah. told me. I mean, you you tend to GM more than you play. Yes, uh, I, I mean, I like, like game a master a lot. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that territory. But um, I and I guess the the final question Larendar had is, of course, you know, the the question we've all been thinking. You know, why do you have actually? Such a sorry, actually, I did I did have a, a good time with uh, Dark of the Hut in the in the um, Dawn of Defiance series. <laughs> Really got into into running him, so that was that was good. That's fun. I, I love Dargan. Now my favorite story is I I started a I had, I had a group because with that particular module you were able to walk in you know for a group that had never played before that you know uh -huh. missed missed the prior module. Um, so I had a, a fresh group that started it that started up and walked in and they went completely off the mod. And in the initial scene uh, where they meet Darga, it's like, you know, he, he, you know, gets, you know, they, they try to get rough with him. He doesn't much care for it. And they just decide to go just balls out and attack him. Uh, I'm like, you're awesome. going to attack Darga the Hut. Like, yep, we're going to do it. It's a bad move. Uh, <laughs> I literally, I, I took the module, I threw it over my shoulder. I went, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good P moment. Okay. Yeah. Actually, yeah, my, my characters ended up uh, capturing him at the end. At the end of the. Uh, oh, that's uh, impressive. When they, when they got his ship, yeah. That's impressive. Not a lot do that. That's uh, that that's impressive. I haven't heard that yet. So, very interesting. Well, Lirindar's fourth question: um, Why do you have such a cool name? <laughs> you did hit the name lottery, I, dude. You know. You did. I, I gotta I, say, you know, your name is the coolest ever. I do get this this uh, comment or question every every so often. Um, you know, my my parents were just looking for something that was a little bit different, and uh, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, it served me pretty well. It was a little tough, you know, when I was growing up. You know, Sterling and Hershey. I mean, that's you know, kids can really play with that one. And uh, true. Well, all, you're not. All, you're all not your family's of, not from of, Pennsylvania, are they? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so you're not like an heir to a chocolate dynasty, are you? No, I get. I also get that question a lot. Uh, but uh, no, there's. Uh, as I understand, I think there's no heirs actually to that right. specific branch of the family. But uh, um, yeah, there's. No, if if we are if we're related, it's not close enough to do any good. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, very cool. All right. Well, to get into some more specific questions. Um, uh, actual looking at, at the actual design of the Kotor campaign guide and and some of the decisions that were made. 
uh, one of our posters, Seikos, uh, he had he had a couple questions. Um, his first one it was pretty simple. He said, "Why are there so many gear templates?" Which is kind of simple, but I, I guess he thinks there's too many. Um, but I mean, did you guys, as far as your design behind the the gear templates? I mean, did you? I mean, did you? I don't know how closely you worked on that, but actually, I didn't work on that part at all. Um, at all? Well, yeah, that was Rodney uh, really handled the equipment chapters and vehicles, and so. Um, because we didn't need to really know that to generate stat blocks or um, I didn't need to really know much of that. A little bit I needed to know, but not much uh, for some of the rules things I was working with. Um, you know, I didn't really get into it. Uh, I really like the templates. I do um, too. I mean, and, and I know they present them as completely optional. Um, yes. Uh, which which I think, you know, for those who... who you wouldn't like, want to go crazy with it, but it's a nice element. I think it's a nice element uh, that, you know, brings in the customization you see in the game yeah. in a way that's we can deal with in in uh, the RPG, and uh, there's a there was a lot of that in the design process where you know we had all this great source material, and so we knew people would be looking to to use some of that material or some of those powers or what have you um, in the RPG, and so uh, we would translate those as best we could um, into the RPG. Makes sense. Well, I mean, I, I, I like them, and I, I like the fact that they also didn't put prices with them, where they basically said, okay, yeah, you really can't buy this. This is something, you know, you are you know you need to find. Um, it kind of takes away from the potential negatives of, you know, the whole min-maxing, uh, you know, Christmas tree effect, um, which is, is the danger of it. Um, which yeah, it's it, something that the GM should keep careful control over. Of course. Well, Seikos had a couple other questions. He said, first of all, how does improved repost slash deflect, I'm assuming he means redirect, uh, improve redirect, uh, work with the whole once per turn thing? Because, I mean, obviously in the in the the book for the actual descriptions for these two abilities, for improve, improve repost and improved uh, redirect, it says, you know, uh, once per turn when, you know, obviously like, especially in the case of uh, repost, these are encounter-based abilities. Uh, right. Um, well, with with repost, it's um, supposed to be once per encounter, uh, and it was actually originally written once per turn, uh, but they discovered that through playtesting that uh, that made it uh, pretty powerful, and more powerful than they wanted it to be, and so they but they didn't really want to take it away, and so they they changed it to uh, uh, the once per encounter. Uh, so improved repost should be also be once per encounter. Uh, and Rodney's talked a little bit about this somewhere on one of the Wizards message boards. Um, so, let's see. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, and, it, it, and with uh, improved redirect, then, um, it should also be once per round since redirect, if I remember right, is once per round. Yeah, it is. It's a once around thing, yeah. So, that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, kind of just a initial... Initial, just basic typo. No, I mean, nothing too big. Um, yeah, pretty the, much. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, and his final question, he said, uh, are any of the new base class talent trees accessible by any of the prestige classes? I mean, each prestige class has at least two uh, talent trees that are associated with base classes, and a lot of the new base class talent trees look like they should or could be accessible. Um, okay, Okay. so you're saying where, where we have a new base class, a completely new talent tree, Yeah. is that accessible by... The prestige classes. I think that's what he's asking. Yes, and I mean, I was looking at there. There aren't too too terribly many new brand spanking new uh, uh, talent trees. I mean, from I mean, just a, a cursory glance. I mean, you're looking at. Uh, 
I mean, gosh, that, that, I mean, I don't think the Jedi have have a whole new talent tree at all. Um, the Noble has one. I know that they have the fencing. Uh, Scoundrel's got run and gun. Uh, Scout has hyperspace explorer. Um, and the soldier, uh, gosh, they, oh yeah, they got the, the rocket jumper talent tree. Um, so I mean, it looks like like one new talent tree for each class, with exception of Jedi. So officially, uh, officially, yeah. I'd say no, uh, because um, they do list the bonus feats that go along with um, the core classes. So like on page, I was looking it up, page thirty-five mm-hmm. on the Kotor book, they've got the bonus feats listed that apply to like the Jedi class, the, the new feats that are from this book. Uh, so I think if there's nothing listed back in the in the in the uh, prestige class chapter about adding those to the base classes, I would say probably not. Yeah, and there isn't. So that's uh, an excellent observation. Well, there you go. Um, and you know, I mean, hey, not not every not every uh, base class talent tree is available. You know, uh, through prestige classes, some of them are, but not every single one. So now, now, yeah, they seem to pick the ones that make the most sense. Uh, or if you wanted to build a um, prestige class character a certain way but still have uh, access to some of those uh, some of those ta- other talents um, seems to be the way they went there and that makes good sense cool all right well excellent well moving on uh, we had a question from uh, Uron Tef and he says okay uh, maybe this is an easy question I'm not sure if it's been answered anywhere else but and and this is kind of a this is an equipment question so I don't know how much you're gonna be able to answer for it uh, but he says uh, as far as I see it light foils uh, have been viewed as inferior to lightsabers since the days of West End Games. Uh, but now with the KOTOR campaign guide, light foils are equally, uh, base damage dice-wise, uh, as strong as a regular lightsaber. I was wondering why Rodney, Sterling, and company chose to go that way rather than giving light foil two die six or something else. Um, yeah, Rodney handled this as well, but uh, I was looking, taking a look at light foil, and uh, they talk about how these are sort of better light foils than what you get in later eras because these are the people that actually knew how to make them and then the later light foils are more like replicas or uh, um, I don't know if they reverse engineered it or just lost the knowledge of how to make them a little bit better. Um, I noticed that. These, they so, were like, these are like Tales of the Jedi era light foils. So, so yeah, so as to the reason why they, they boosted the power of these, I don't know actually. Um, but uh, I, from what I read there, I would say if you were using this in a later era, you should reduce the damage on them. Makes sense. I don't think it would be I don't think it would be too game breaking of a GM call to make that either. But uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean they have the I, I will say I'm very impressed with a lot of the descriptive elements that, that went into some of the equipment design. I mean they really take the time to say, you know, oh yes, these light foils are handmade by this group of people in this place. And uh, it seems like that level of detail has gone in across the board. Do you think that was I mean a, a result of having um, I mean someone like I mean a a traditional you know uh, EU writer like John Jackson Miller on board or I mean how did you guys approach that normally? Um. Well, let's see. I'm not sure it's because he was on board, but well, I mean, certainly, get, certainly, certainly that certainly that expanded um, the detail in his in his chapters. Uh, and also, Abel writes uh, in, in a manner like that. Um, oh, yes, of course. And uh, but I think it's um, just a um, an effort to bring more descriptive features into the game. Um, try and uh, add where we can uh, to the to the the role playing and storytelling side of it. That is so you can do that a lot more easily in equipments and in equipment and vehicles uh, than you can sometimes with characters that already have a backstory. And so uh, it's a place where we can add detail without getting into too much trouble with continuity, things like that. Makes good sense. But yeah, as long it, as we're careful. 
<laughs> as long as <laughs> as long as you're careful. Um, but yeah, it, it has added a lot. Uh, it's I don't know a lot of a lot of us out there really really you know get a kick out of reading it because it, it just you know beyond the basic the basic stat description it it adds a, it adds a good amount. So uh, moving on, Donovan Morningfire, uh, one of our uh, one of our moderators actually um, asks this question. He says, "Okay, this seems to be a constant hot topic." Um, and I guess it's a good one to ask you as a designer. Uh, what what process exactly is followed in creating the stat blocks for NPCs? I mean, assuming they're done manually, how far in advance do they have to be done and finalized? You know, and he, this is kind of broad. He says, I'm not sure who the editors were on, on KOTOR, um, but given the large quantity of whining uh, over on the Watsi boards, the Gleemax, about the amount of errors in, thre- in uh, Threats of the Galaxy, most of them admittedly minor, um, I would think maybe an extra level of care might have been given in this book to ensure things add up in future releases releases? Uh, stat blocks are something we're constantly working on and um, obviously we've seen the uh, seen the discussion and uh, we know about a lot of that stuff. Um, and as we've you know worked on the products um, and developed, we've all come to know the rule system better um, and we're trying to improve uh, the, the error checking as we as we can. Uh, all the NPCs, uh, all the stat blocks are generated manually. Um, there's just not uh, a tool available to us to generate them uh, automatically or anything like that. Oh, if uh, there was. <laughs> if there was, that would probably help as long as uh, it did it correctly. Uh, yeah. I, have seen, I have seen fan-made ones, not for this system, but for other systems where they were sometimes more accurate than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they, what they are useful for is to, uh, to, to um, sort of check yourself because if something if it pops up if, if you had a tool like that and it would pop up with a different answer you'd know to go back and say okay let me make sure i didn't miss a minus one or you know a plus one here or there um i mean there's so many variations um that it's easy to overlook something uh, and especially if you're doing you know how many stat blocks are in one of these books you know if you're doing 30 stat blocks uh, that's a lot of of uh a lot of adding and a lot of rules um manipulation and so you know when i'm working personally when i'm working through them you know i'll work be working on one i'll jump down to the next one uh when i'm finished and halfway through that i might think oh wait did i i have to add this bonus here did i add it in the one previous so i'll run back up and take a look at it and um you know you're just constantly going back and forth and trying to see this stuff um as to where they're like written in the process it really varies by the author um you know, if it's using a new class or talent or feed or something from the book, uh, it's probably put off till later in the process, so we have a chance to actually create the talent <laughs> class feed. Um, and uh, but that those rules are constantly evolving um, as well. You know, when I'm uh, like in, in the Kotor book, I worked a lot on the rules sections, and um, so I would take the first stab at it. You know, send it to to Rodney in one of the early turnovers. He would. You know, give me his uh, comments and suggestions on it. I would take another stab at it. Uh, we might have more discussion if we, if if needed. Otherwise, you know, I'd hand it over, and then he takes it uh, and de- and goes through developing with it and playtesting. And so through that whole process, there are constant changes going on to those rules. Uh, and so, you know, once I hand over my section, if I've done some stat blocks using those uh, using those feats or talents. And something gets changed with them. Well, they need to get changed throughout, and uh, obviously, sometimes that's not occurring. Um, but um, it is something we're working on, and I know Rodney's working real hard on it. And personally, when I, you know, 
I most run across this uh, sometimes on the website um, where you know I'll do a preview for the Star Wars minis mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have an RPG preview up there and somebody will point out an error in the stat block and those drive me nuts. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh! Not not that they're pointing it out that they that the error exists because uh, you know I want it to be perfect when it gets out there and uh, uh, so it drives me really crazy when it's uh, when it's not. But uh, <laughs> um, we we've improved and we will continue to work on it and. Uh, uh, I know, you know I've done some back checking uh, on some some things uh, further in the process, uh, trying to catch, trying to catch stuff, and uh, um, that actually even applies to to Saga Edition. Um, I, I was one of the early ones to to read the rules on that because I was already working on, or getting ready to work on uh, the Force Unleashed campaign guide, mm-hmm. and uh, and was catching a few things in there, and uh, you know it's just one of those things where. When you're making, generating stat block, a lot of times you think you've got it right, and then the next person comes along and says, "Oh, wait, you forgot about, you know, he owns, he has his own lightsaber, or you know, something along those lines." Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's got to be a tough process. I mean, to continually go through. But I will say, I mean, and so many people, so many people have already gone through Kotor with a fine tooth comb. Um, well, now it, now it's become like a, um, I don't know if it's a. Uh, what do you want to call it? A sport. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, practically, yeah. I mean, for, for, for wonderful uh, gamers with little time and, uh, and, and lots of uh, internet, uh, internet bandwidth uh, <laughs> to get on there. But, I mean, we're, I mean, the improvement you're saying, I can see it. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it, I mean, th- this book alone looks fantastic. So, uh, we, I mean, with a few minor, minor, almost, almost recognizable, useless typos, like the one, like the one we discussed earlier. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. So, um, it seems like the, the community, uh, took a lot of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really think they almost, I'm sorry. I, I think, I think the community overreacted, uh, especially to threats of the galaxy, but that's just my opinion. Um, so it's, it's, well, I understand the, you know, process. I understand the sentiment. I mean, you want it to be perfect and we want it to be perfect, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's all we're still humans doing this, and uh, of course, of course, and and doing doing a good job. If this book is any indication, but uh, hey, you know, when they get pointed out, you know, Rodney can get them into the errata, and we can get 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 the right information out there. And uh, so, does you this know, mean you're, in, you're are and, you encouraging the fine tooth combing then? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, good to know. Uh, it's, but it's, it's good to know that the that the players learn the system well enough to spot them. Now, that's, that's sometimes good. they're really obvious, I guess. But uh, you know, I've uh, there's been a time where I think on one of the previews I forgot to add ten to to some of the defenses because I added up all the defenses and didn't forgot to add the the, <laughs> the ten to that. Uh, so you know, every so often you do something like that, kind of go, oops, oops, let's not, yep, let's <laughs> not do that again. It happens. It happens but, but when they do get pointed out, you know, it does it does. Uh, make us look and try and figure out okay wh- how did that creep in and is that a typo did we forget some aspect of a rule um you know what exactly happened and sometimes it's as simple as a typo i mean when sometimes when the numbers are off by one it's because i hit a four instead of a five on my keyboard right and uh, and just didn't go back and see it later and uh, uh but when we turn over stat blocks you know there's a whole um show your work section to that and uh which is looks pretty arcane actually um, the, to try and to try and uh, uh, show how you generated the block to, to begin with, and uh, so that should enable them to uh, the editors and developers to spot those um, as they go. Now I know that Rodney 
said on one of his current threads that uh, like uh, is it Korea I think has a has a talent or something that's not listed um, and it's something where or maybe it was a feat I can't remember now but uh, there was something that wasn't listed because it was an item that got cut from the book later and he just didn't get back to yeah. cut it out of the stat block and you know yeah, and I'm sure the errata will handle a lot of it but yeah it's, yeah it's, we pick that up put it in the errata uh, get the right information out there and uh, you know hopefully it doesn't detract too much from the enjoyment of the rest of the book I don't think it will I don't think it will. And speaking of that, um, we did have a, a, a question, uh, two questions actually, from Hawk Skulker. Um, his first one, he says, you know, he, he loves the book, but he noticed that the, it focused on a pretty narrow piece of the older public timeline. Was there any thought of adding information from the Darth Bane era, you know, like Brotherhood of Darkness, General Hoth, the Orbalisk armor, or all that? Um, no, basically. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, when, okay. we got the, when we got the uh, timeline. Uh, the timeline specified pretty much what you see in the book, um, basically concentrating on the time of the comic books and the video games with a little bit of information from Tales of the Jedi to cover a uh, little bit of background history, some uh, some of the main characters, the craft, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and there was really no discussion about doing anything any later than, than the video game. Um so when it got to the to to us as freelancers, that decision had already been made, and certainly, you know, we've jammed this book full of of a lot of information. If we had more Darth Bane's stuff in there and top and and what was going on, uh, in his story, you know, that would have been a whole another. You could do a whole another chapter on that kind of stuff. So, um, it would have it would have just reduced, in my opinion, anyway, it would have just reduced uh, the amount of additional material we had in here. Uh, I mean, it's not to say it couldn't show up in something in the future, but uh, I have no idea about that. <laughs> um, uh, the, of course, the other thing is the Darth Bane, uh, I forget the exact time frame, but it's quite a bit later. Um, it's yeah. not, not it's, it's like thousands of years later, I think. So it's not exactly in the same few years that we dealt with here. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well. Well, that makes sense. Now, now speaking of, of upcoming releases... Um, Hawk Skulker's second question. He says, "There's been some discussion, and you actually made reference to this in, in the Gen Con seminar. You said there's there's been some discussion as to why the yet unreleased Scum and Villainy supplement is referenced multiple times in the Kotor guide. Can you put this to rest? Was it a timing theory? Uh, maybe Scum and Villainy was supposed to be released first, and the dates got shuffled. Um, nope. See if, <laughs> okay, nope. Okay, not, not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. Okay. B. Self interest theory because you know what's coming soon, and you don't want to have to rewrite things once both books are on the market." Um, there's C, conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, you want to not so subliminally market scum and villainy and sell more books, or D, chaos theory. None of the above, and it was done to make posters have something else to discuss besides inaccurate stat blocks on the forums. <laughs> <laughs> well, posters will always find something to discuss. I don't think we need to give them uh, Good point a- enough stuff. Uh, they'll always find something. Um, Let's see. I guess it was probably closer to choice B. Is that the was that so, the? So you don't want to rewrite things once both books are on the market. Yeah, Rodney said he was working on both books at the same time, actually, and ah, so it, ah. so he had all that stuff in his head at the time, and um, I'm you know I'm sure his view was probably something along the lines of, hey, people are going to ask us how to use uh, this scum and villainy uh, stuff with the Kotor book. And, you know, if he, if they hadn't put it in, they'd probably be asking him, well, why didn't you just go ahead and put that in? You were working on it at the same time. So you, in some ways you can't win. <laughs> um, but, you know, you don't have to, you know, don't you don't need to use that uh, in the game if you don't want to. So you can safely ignore it. 
and so it's really more of a benefit for those people who do get scum and villainy and want to use it. Hey, they've got another book they can already use it with. And uh, so it's really more that they were being worked on at the same time. And uh, Rodney thought it would be nice for people to be able to use it, um, to use both books together. Okay, well, there you go. Now, to kind of slightly return to some of the things that we've been talking about and draw together uh, some of the things we've been talking about in, about NPC creation and a few other things. Um, Full-on Gamer, he asked a question. He said, wanted to know, did you guys have any trouble um, applying one of the most blatant lesson learned uh, from the last Tales of the Jedi era source book, which of course was back in the WAG days, um, in that the characters slash NPCs have to be actually capable of the depicted actions and abilities that, that they're based on in, in print or in game? the previous book had serious problem in rendering characters completely incapable of representing the characters depicted in the source material. Are you happy with the representative characters in the finished product? Yes. So, I mean, yeah. Basically, yes, I am happy with, with how they turned out. Um, you know, when it comes to character creation, stat block creation, you, you can always argue this, t the, the, this uh, talent or this feat uh, maybe it should have this, maybe it should have that, depending on what somebody perceives the focus of that character to be. But in general, uh, I think they came out pretty well. Um, and, you know, I've never used the Tales of the Jedi era sourcebook in my D6 games. Um, I just, uh, at that time, I was actually not that interested in the era. And so I eventually got it, of course. But uh, um, so hopefully all of our our characters can do what they what we say they can do. Um so well good excellent um <clears throat> well, let's moving on here uh one of our we have actually had a, a pair of related questions uh one another one from full-on gamer and also one of our posters jay uh jay asks and this is kind of a, a really an opinion question of of and maybe maybe you can answer this maybe you can't because i know it's upcoming material he wants to know of all the stuff cut from the book what was the greatest heartbreaker and full-on also wanted to know, of all the stuff cut from the book, what was the biggest surprise? What what did you feel really belonged, but was eliminated or, or moved to another product? Because you mentioned earlier that there's going to be a lot of cut stuff that's going to be out on web previews. Yeah, and it's going to be hard to say much, because I, like I said, yeah. I don't know what's showing up in the in the previews and what may be being saved for something else. Um, Makes sense. Let's see. I know, okay, go ahead. I hate to refer to Rodney again, but I know that he just did refer to the Mentor Force Secret um, that didn't make it in because they still need to do more development on it. Um, uh -huh. I don't know if that was exactly a big heartbreaker, but I would like to see that that show up because I like the concept. Uh, not going to go into what it is because <laughs> one thing I've also learned is uh, and knew about even before going into this is that you know when you turn over a, turn over a, a talent or feed or new rule, uh, it goes through development. And so when I see the final product, it may or may not be resemble what I turned in. Um, Depends. You know, it varies. Sometimes it will be. You know, they'll, they'll discover something in playtesting and say, "Oh no, we can't do that." So they'll revise it a bit. Not maybe not too much. Sometimes they like the concept, but we'll come up with a completely different mechanic for it. Uh, sometimes they take it pretty much as is and just tweak it a little bit. Um, and I've even seen, on occasion, a name where it was like, "Hey, they love the name." Apparently, and then went a completely different direction with the actual rules for the talent. But uh, so. Let's see, I think I kind of lost what the question was here. <laughs> I rambling. But, uh, it was basically, tell us all your secrets that you can't tell us. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, as to, yeah, as to stuff cut from the book, it was a big surprise. Um, hmm. 
we know that's going to be a little hard to answer without giving away. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I don't think it'd be giving away too much. We talked a lot about different ways to do dual wielding um, talents and so forth. And some of those things are in there. Uh, and some of them went away. Um, so I was a little surprised at, uh, at that. But again, those are things that might show up later. That would be yummy. Or they may have just decided that this was enough and, and to proceed with with a down, down a different path with those other other uh, slots in the book. Right. Well, there's certainly enough new stuff here. I, I can definitely see that. But very cool. Well, the last two questions we have are kind of uh, some, some, some future update questions. Maybe you can answer, maybe you can't. Obviously, as far as web enhancement content, I, I think it's safe to say that you are responsible for more of the web content than anyone else. Um, in terms of what what you've contributed, <laughs> it has certainly turned out that way over the last four years or so. Yes. Um, so we had a question. Uh, Zertz, one of our posters, he says, "I noticed the sand crawler, which a lot of us were very happy about. This was posted as a web enhancement. Um, what other cut content can we look forward to being released on the web?" Mm, this kind of goes back to my earlier yeah. response. Um, you know. Um, If you can't say anything, that's to, that's totally cool. But yeah, um, I'm just not sure what to say because again, I'm not not privy to what's what's coming for sure. Um, well, there you go. But I mean, uh, you know, just just a question. If you can't answer it, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, not a big deal. I, I did mention actually. I think I did mention in the um, Gen Con seminar that uh, I'll probably I'll butcher the name, but the Moomaw Willowall, which is the uh, the Thorian starship from yeah, Kotor. D- d- yeah, Dobbindel starship. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, we we did specific stats for that, and I think that's one of the things coming. Uh, and it's pretty it's pretty funny. Um, um, those guys, you know, even the the the, the uh, uh, basic version, the, the stock version that's in the book already is pretty pretty powered up. But this thing is just outrageous. <laughs> and so I was I was working with John uh, Jackson Miller on on that thing, uh, on exactly what it would have and and what what it would do and. We had a good time with it, so I hope it does make it out. Very cool. Well, he also wanted to know uh, the minis previews. They have a lot of RPG content. Okay, I mean, I know you guys do a lot of a lot of bonus stat blocks there, and yes. I know during the seminar, we, you know, somebody asked the question, you know, why don't you guys have the Saga Edition uh, stats on the back of the minis cards? And and the answer that that Rob gave basically was, you know, it's Lucas. Lucas wants the art there, so the art's there. That's um, the answer I've heard every year since the uh, minis game came out because someone asks it every single year. Right. Right. And the the question he has is, you know, since there's so much of it that you guys are instead putting on the web, what are the possibilities of Watsi doing some type of compilation? Uh, you know, maybe a you know a, a, down, a download or an enhancement of you know all, all the because this stuff's so spread out. I mean, uh, is there you know he wants to understand any chance of there being any kind of compilation? But we of, haven't. I, I have not talked about it with anybody, but that makes a good deal of sense. Uh, and so I will bring that up with those guys and see if uh, if someone can. We can assemble those things. Um, some of them, you know, we've been doing those previews long enough that some of the early ones are actually uh, RCR versions. Uh, yeah. Right? Saga. But it wouldn't be too hard to pull the Saga stuff together. No. Uh, I wouldn't think. Uh, it's mostly, it'd mostly be somebody's time, you know, assembling it into a PDF or some format that could be easily downloadable. Uh, but I know that I've gone <laughs> personally for my own game because um, I run a. Uh, um, a monthly game at my local game club here, um, and I've gone into that to pull stats out when I've needed generic stats for certain characters, and go, oh, I think I did one for this, and 
run back and find one of a certain CL and pull it out. And so I've, I've, I'd, I'd, it would des definitely be useful. Oh, cool. Well, if, uh, there you go. Well, thank you very much. If you can put a bug in an ear, not a bad suggestion. And the final question we have for you uh, from our listeners, uh, Azure Sky, um, he's, got a, he's got a couple things. He says, okay, s since Wizards have announced four campaign guides so far, you know, Legacy Era, Force Unleashed, Clone Wars, and uh, the awesomeness that is Knights of the Old Republic, um, will old-timers like me finally get to see updated versions of Rebel and Imperial sourcebooks? Uh, maybe a Rebellion Era campaign guide? And, uh, I, you know, again, I don't know what all you're going to be able to answer in that regard. I know you can't release anything that's not been officially announced. So. Correct. I can't say anything yeah. that's not on the schedule. But I, I will say, I mean, what just I, the... What from I can, the one thing I can say, though, is that there's a lot... Look for a lot of Empire information in the Force Unleashed book, because we've already right. talked about that as being sort of a Dark Times uh, specific. And so the Empire, obviously, has a lot to do with the Dark Times, so there will be a lot of Empire information in there. I'm going to dig that because that's like my second favorite era after KOTOR is the, is the whole Dark Times, you know, uh, era. I just think there's a lot of a lot of room to play there. So very cool. And then Azure Sky also asks, he says, oh, and since I'm off to do my master's in creative writing next year at, uh, at the University of British Columbia, what's your advice on the best way to get into role playing and uh, get into the role playing industry via writing? <laughs> well, there's probably no one way to do it. Um, first of all, uh, keep writing, keep writing your game material, uh, try and get published somewhere whether or not that's game related that if you can just get published uh, even if it's a student newspaper kind of thing or a website or you know somewhere where you can point to and said hey here's here's where my stuff has shown up um you know a lot of people uh, i think i think this may have again applied to rodney a lot of people will um write up their own stats and put them on their own websites for their own games and so sometimes that can get get some attention um Personally, what I did was I wrote for the RPGA. Uh, in those days, the RPGA was still doing the classic modules where you did, um, well, I guess like they, they did with the, the KOTOR module this year, actually, where they provided characters yeah. and it was a one-shot module. And so uh, there used to be a lot more of that. And um, so that's the route I, t I took. And they liked it well enough. They ran it at Gen Con. They put it in Polyhedron, which was the magazine that they sent out at the time. to the, Yeah, right. Oh yeah, and then uh, and then West End. I'd, I'd talked with West End and had sent in proposals uh, separate uh, from that, and um, they eventually gave me a gave me a shot at, at, at writing. So writing for them. So um, if you can, you know, write try and write for Dragon, try and write for Dungeon. Uh, they're going to start taking uh, submissions again, or actually, I think they already have. Um, probably get rejected a lot that's what seems to happen to most people um, <laughs> but um, or you know there's a lot of other um, uh, game companies out there smaller game companies and if, if you find a game you like and uh, can can write for them you know that's another way to sometimes they will they'll be looking for new people and have uh, more slots open than maybe wizards will uh, but I know everyone's always looking for good writers yep go. including good advice yep and if you're really hard up, send your stuff over to D20 Radio because we're going to start putting this stuff up. You know, not only stuff Chris has written, but Brev and I are kind of working on a, these campaign guides together. The three of us all at least think we write pretty well. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea because, I mean, um, that stuff can get noticed. Um, and certainly if you send a proposal in and say, hey, I'd like to write for this, 
then you can say, and by the way, here's other stuff I've written on this. Here's a link to my website. Um, you know, that, I know that it has happened before where the uh, designers or the editors have followed up on that and decided that they liked what they saw. Well, there you go. And, and again, if you guys have any content that you would like to get out there and you would like to use D20 Radio as a medium, we want it. Uh, yep. Again, you can contact uh, myself, GM Chris, at d20radio.com, GM Dave at d20radio.com. Send us what you got. If it's publishable, if it's worthy, if it's decent, we will get it out there it's for the masses to share. Yep. So it, it's a good thing. I will be ready good. for stat block questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're ready for lots of stat block questions and uh, and uh, a nasty nasty forum forum goers uh, talking about you know how you you know you you put an apostrophe where it doesn't belong. Yep. Uh, so very yep. very very enjoyable and all part of the game writing uh, experience. Yep. <laughs> and if you do send stuff to D20 Radio to, to segue, don't worry about formatting and all that. We do everything in, in Adobe InDesign and we'll have it. It's going to look really sharp. Chris, you got to see a preview of what I put together. Yeah, Dave's Dave's pretty good graphic designer, so I, I will, uh, among his many other talents, uh, I, it's it's going to look good. But yeah, we we want to see what you guys have. So if you're interested and uh, you would like a, a medium to get your stuff out there for free, let us know. Heck yeah, let's. Heck yeah. Well, to kind of bring our KOTOR discussion to a close, Sterling, um, thank you for taking the time to answer all of our user questions. It's it's a really great resource, this book, and the work that's been done on it is truly amazing. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it, it's pretty tight, quite frankly. Um, so far, I think this is probably, I mean, aside from obviously the core the core rule book, this is, I think, I think the best supplement I bought um, in terms of, of just the sheer amount of information it gives you. And in terms of a campaign setting, a campaign guide, an honest-to-good guide for an era, I was really impressed, not just with the whole new material that's been in it, but with the time that you guys spent. I mean, nearly half the book just ironing out, uh, you know, for what, what would be, lack of a better term, for fluff. I mean, just whole uh, – just uh, – Tons of information, role-playing information about certain groups of people and eras. I mean, entire chapters devoted to just the Mandalorians, just the Sith, just the Jedi in that era. You know, just the Republic, um, which you know play these 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 huge parts of it. Um, aside from you know stat generation and rule generation and stuff like that, you say obviously you guys took different tasks. What specifically did you work on in terms of of the varied aspects of this book? Uh, let's see. Um, my, like I said, mainly I worked on a lot of the rules aspects. Here, let me glance at my list here. Otherwise, I'll because uh, I've worked on you know, Force Unleashed and some others too. So, oh yeah, sure the right chapter, right chapters here. Uh, I've worked on species, traits, prestige classes, force, allies, and opponents. Ah. And uh, but that's you know we also traded stuff back and forth. And so, and some of the stuff got shuffled after we handed it over. So I know that some of my material that was originally in allies and opponents ended up in like the campaign section. And, uh, occasionally, you know, we'd trade stat blocks so that, you know, John, uh, Jackson Miller could do his own, um, comic book characters. Uh, that, so there was some trading around and there was discussion as well about, um, different, uh, talents and, and feats and things like that. Well, that especially makes those, especially those we were trying to emulate from, um, again, from the comic books, uh, because, uh, like Zane has this really particular way that he deals with the force. And um, so we had to come up with something for that, and that's force flow. Uh, and so we had some discussions on how that should work. And uh, and actually it was de developed a little bit after it left our hands. But uh, um, so you know, primarily these were the sections I worked on uh, with some overlap into some of those other areas. 
Very cool. Now, you worked on species. Now, there are 11 new species in this book, okay? Um, I mean, for Pete's sake, there's, there's only 17 in the core rule book, okay? So we're talking about, you know, an addition of two-thirds of the total here that we're, we're adding to. Of all the new species in the book, I mean, I'm sure you guys had a lot that you wanted to include that you didn't, um, you know, for, for whatever reason. Um, do you have a favorite new species in this book? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I put him on the spot. Yeah. I haven't really, really thought of it that way. Um, gosh. Should I cue the Jeopardy music? If you have it, it would be great. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. You have Benny Hill? We could do Benny Hill. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> Go ahead and think. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that. I, I'm again impressed at the tech wizardry. I mean, there's there's a lot. They, of they all had aspects that were fun fun to work on. Um, probably the Arcanians and the Arcanian arch, offshoots. Um, they were well. Uh, they were sort of two. It was two species, but they're related. And how you know how how are they going to be different and why? And that was probably uh, one of the more interesting ones. But they're all you know they're all pretty unique. Yeah. Cool. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think I think they're all fantastic. But um, there's a lot of new great stuff in this book, and we're going to be spending some more time on it next episode. We're really going to delve into into some of the the varied chapters and stuff like that um, for you out there in the gamer nation. Uh, but it's been uh, it's, it's been a fun experience to sit down and talk to you and, and kind of get a glimpse into the creative mind, one of the creative minds behind it. Um, I know you, you every time I, I talk to you, you speak so highly of of you know of course Rodney and and, and John and Abel. Um, you said they were they were great to work with on this. Um, and I mean, in terms of kind of wrapping up, as this is, I mean, obviously you're still working on projects. I mean, you still got things that are coming out, but. Um, uh, in terms of your your memories of working on this and getting this this excellent source book out there, I mean, how do you feel about the the final contribution in terms of how it turned out and and the the work you've done with these people? Oh, I'm really happy with the with the results. Um, you know, it, um, you know, I like the way that the the rules and so forth developed and were improved, and uh, I like the way that uh, you know just the amount of information that if you're a uh, a comic book fan, you know, there's something new in here for you with in terms of backstory. Uh, you know, if you're just a fan of the computer games and the comic books in general, you know, all the timelines that 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 um, really clarify what's going on when, because it can be a pretty, it can get pretty muddled when you're playing through the games, to say the least, yeah. And try and figure out, okay, now when is this exactly happening? And even with the comic books, the comic books come out, you know, the time moves more slowly, I guess, just because the comic books take a, a long time to get released. Uh, so it's good to be reminded, hey, it's only been three months of real time or four months of real time uh, since this story and that story, you know, between these two stories. And so um, those timelines are great. Um, just the, we've got such a great variety. I mean, you got Mandalorians, you got Sith, you got all kinds, you know, a couple different ways you can play with the Sith. Um, the Jedi are much more. Um, what do I want to say? They're they're much more. Um, they're cooler. Diverse. <laughs> I don't know about cool, but uh, they're they're, diver- they're much more diverse. You can play a lot of different kinds of Jedi at the, in the same game. Yeah. Uh, 
based on you know there's all these different enclaves and 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 academies out there that are somewhat some of them are autonomous or semi-autonomous and uh, the Jedi Council is trying to wield control, but they don't have they don't have full control, uh, and so there's this conflict even within the Jedi on how things should, should be running. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just a we're just all really happy with the way the book came out, and there's all those equipment options now, um, and in many ways it feels very much like a core book, a core rule book. Um, and if Wait, you're playing sorry. a and if you're playing a Kotor game, you know that's exactly what you need. So that's the nice thing about the campaign guides. Yeah, it, it is it is fantastic. This is a taste of the things to come for, you know, Legacy for Clone Wars, for stuff like that. I think we're all going to be pleased. So thank you again for sharing your time with us tonight. Uh, I know we've soaked up two hours of your time. And um, uh, thank you for coming on, and thank you for the work you've done on the system. It's It's been fantastic to, to get to meet you and talk to you. And uh, thank you very much. Seconded. No problem. Much now, seconded. No now, before, before you leave, we, uh, we do have to get a wacky radio liner from you. And so if you're ready, we need you to... Identify yourself, and you know to what end is, is your decision. And then speak the words, I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. You think you can, I think you're game for that? Okay, I'll give it a shot. All right. Ready when you are. Okay. I'm Sterling Hershey, freelancer for Wizards of the Coast and the Star Wars role-playing game and miniatures game, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Very All nice. right. That's probably I'm, very far I'm, on the wacky, I guess, but uh, it'll do. Hey, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll do well. It'll do very well. <laughs> we'll put it right next to Rodney's. Yes. You know, one thing, one thing I had forgotten to mention was that uh, you know, I worked on the Force chapter, and what, a couple of the things I really liked about that was that uh, I got to do work on the non-Jedi Force traditions. Yeah. And uh, we were able to put two brand new ones in here, and I got to create those. So those, that was one aspect I really enjoyed in this book. That, well, you, uh, mentioned, those, you mentioned the Selkath one. Yeah, the Cellcat, and that was actually originally a, an, off of another Wizards um, website article, actually. Oh. Um, so that's where that one originated, and then we, it, and actually it was written for um, the later eras, and so I adapted it back to the actual beginnings of the of the order uh, to put it in this book, and then uh, yeah, the key tail and the um, uh, Lucasine, the the Marilucan one, yeah. those were brand new, and I got to uh, you know created those from scratch, and I was really happy to see those come through. Pretty, pretty well what I wrote originally. So fantastic. Uh, that was That's awesome. Nice. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, sir, thank you once again, and uh, I think that's going to bring a close to our cast this evening. Uh, and next week, guys, be sure to tune in. Uh, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the KOTOR campaign guide with a more in-depth analysis, taking a look at some of the really deep, crunchy bits in the various chapters therein. And uh, we're, of course, going to have a return of the D20 docking bay. And hopefully we'll find out what is going on with TK421. Is he back at his post? Is he not back at his post? Why is he not at his post? We, we may never know the answers to these questions, but we'll attempt to find out. Maybe so. And I did hear that the nurse is knocked up now. So what we're going to have to uh we're going to have to explore that. Oh dear. Yeah, cuz oh dear. Uh, I can't wait to see what Watto sell- is fencing and and uh selling you next. Yeah. Well, you know, you never quite know with him. Uh <laughs> it's it's yeah, he's he's a yeah, interesting to say the least. But yeah, you might want to ask him where he got that that pulse wave. Uh, you know what? I, I don't ask too many questions. He certainly charged me enough for it. Uh and uh you know, I think I think a little bit that's to keep quiet. So we're we're, we're good, nonetheless. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, I wish you and the rest of the Gamer Nation peace, love, and good gaming. That's right.
and keep those dice a-rolling. Special thanks to Sterling Hershey, and for GM Chris, I'm GM Dave, and we're going to sign it off. This is Elf NFB, and I never listen to Order 66 podcast. This is the Mexican ambassador from the NSDN game. Why would anyone ever listen to the Order 66 podcast? D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Wowza Mahauza, minute, uh, an hour 20, guys. Not bad. Excellent. Not bad. Very nice. Very nice. Sterling, thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was good having you on, man. It was fun. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, there I actually totally meant to ask you this during the podcast, and it was on my show notes, so I slipped it, but I want to include it on our on our forum write-up. Remind mm-hmm. me of your website, your personal website. I know- oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, well, actually, I don't have a personal one up, but what I usually do is I send them to uh, blogs.starwars.com slash silverforce, and that's where... Uh, I talk about all my Star Wars stuff. StarWars.com slash SilverForce. Uh-huh. I just want people to know where to go if they want to see more of your stuff. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. yeah I post yeah, I posted that. I don't know. It depends. It, it varies, but uh, usually about once a week, sometimes more. Okay. Well, we'll get that and, there. Uh, we'll, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes it's just, hey, here's the latest thing up on the website over at Watsi, but sometimes there's other stuff. Well, that's excellent. We'll we'll get it out there at the very least, um, and we'll definitely have to put a link to it up on our main site. Oh, and that's a good point. The, there's also... Um, Let's see. Uh, Abel Pena has his site on his blog on there as well. Oh, good. And uh, and actually, so does John Jackson Miller. Although most of John's stuff is through his own website at Far Away Press. That's right. Cool. I remember that. Excellent. Well, listen, man. If you have anything you want to get promoted, if you just want a sound drop for it or anything like that, I mean, for us to put in a news or announcement sections, let us know for Pete's sake. Um, That's right. always have to do so and I don't care if it's Star Wars related or not if there's something else you're working on that you just want us to sound off on we have no problem doing that okay cool. so hope we weren't too hard on the forum guys I mean they they um, you know there are, there are people put, that post uh, nice things as well so oh yeah I know uh, I, I'm sorry it, it, the, the crap pisses me off I mean are you, are you really going to sit there and go through this stuff with a fine tooth comb I mean to, to that level of, of absurdity but I, I don't know I, I've made my opinion clear on it on the cast but it's just you know I mean really really <laughs> um, you know it just it seems for every for every mistake there's there's 800 great things but nobody ever mentions those and I, I don't know I mean as, as an aspiring designer myself it, it's such a it, it's it's so easy to to naysay it's it's so easy to naysay when it's such a difficult process to do right uh to create so eh, i don't know it's a hot button for me but i i try not to to get too pissy about. i was was just glad that you know it didn't show up for like several days it wasn't like the first day right (laughs) Right. yeah that's always fun god uh well dude thank you very much it was uh good talking to you again and um hey man maybe we can have you on the show again sure 